Hello and welcome to this podcast brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. This last 14th of July, the European Commission launched its European SAF mandate under the Fit for 55 package. This volumetric mandate sets the path to achieve a 63% weight of sustainable aviation fuel oil within the total jet fuel supplied in the European Union by 2050, starting with a 2% from 2025 onwards. The package includes a sub-mandate in synthetic aviation fuel oil and the uh, Refuel EU Aviation Initiative, leaving no doubt towards what direction the market will move within the coming years. My name is Alfonso Barocal, European Business Development Manager for Oil Products at Argus Media. And with us today is Julius Quadrim, Associate Editor and Argus Specialist in Biofuels, who will help us to better understand the impact of the European mandate in the SAF market. Hi, Julia. How are you? Alfonso. Good. Thanks. How are you? Thanks for having me today. Good. Um, Julia, let's let's start with the um, with the first question. Um, where uh, where do you think that the uh, soft production capacity in Europe stand versus the uh, European mandate's target will be enough? And what could be the impact of feedstock availability to meet such a targets? So. The European uh, SAF production capacity um, could increase to a rough ballpark figure of around 1.5, 1.7 million tons per year by 2025, which is when the EU proposed mandate is set to come into effect. Uh, these 1.5, 1.7 numbers uh, can be reached if all the announced plans, upgrades and constructions are completed and if they all maximize SAF production. Um, whether that will be sufficient to meet the 2% mandate in 2025 uh, will um, also depend on the recovery of the jet fuel market that, of course, was hit very hard during the COVID pandemic. Um, according to recent Eurostat estimates, uh, the jet demand, the European jet demand, could return to 2019 levels by around 2024 and remain stable at just below 50 million tons per year after that. If this is actually the case, uh, a 2% volumetric SAF share would translate in just below 1 million ton uh, of SAF in the first year when the target is, is 2%. Um, and this means that if all the projects announced by EU producers are completed by then, then domestic production could be sufficient to meet those targets, um, at least at the beginning. In the longer term, and especially after 2030, when the targets are set to increase sharply um, and they uh, should hit 20% by 2035, 32% by 2040, um, and, and, and even higher in, in the following years, and this up from 5% in 2030. Um, so when the targets go uh, up by, um, by as much, then further investments in new plants or imports um, from uh, outside the EU are likely to be need needed to meet um, EU demand. So in, in increasing SAF capacity from around uh, 120, 150 kT a year in, uh, in 2021, so this was the, the current production is around yeah, 120, 150,000 tons per year, to around 1.5, 1.7 million tons per year in, in 2025, will of course acquire large volumes of waste feedstocks, um, used cooking oil and animal fats. Uh, this is because the majority of the production will come from the HEFA pathway, which is the only available at the moment and is based on the hydro treatment of waste feedstock. 
um, while the potential for an increase in nuclear collection in Europe and elsewhere exists, um, there are still concerns around nuclear availability and costs for the road fuel market if demand from the aviation sector picks up significantly. Um, and this is especially because soft producers are able to pay much higher prices for the feedstock uh, compared to, bio, to biodiesel producers. Thank you, uh, Julia. Uh, exciting times, particularly if, if, if the mandate, when the mandate kicks off and, and gets into 2030 and, and, and escalates uh, upwards, definitely is, is going to be a challenge to meet those uh, those targets. Um, the, uh, the UK is moving as well towards regulating SAF. And for this purpose, uh, the UK has launched a consultation. Um, how this initial consultation compares with the uh, EU mandate and uh, what steps, if any, have, take, have been taken by other European countries outside the, uh, the European Union uh, mandate? Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Um, so yeah, the announcement of the EU mandate proposal was followed by the publication of a consultation on the UK mandate. And this proposes up to 10% staff by 2030 and up to 75% by 2050, uh, with the mandate uh, again starting in 2025. But while the EU has proposed a volumetric planning mandate, the UK has proposed to implement the mandate as a greenhouse gas emissions reduction scheme, uh, with the obligation set to fall on the fuel supplier. Uh, much like the EU, the UK is focusing on the use of waste-derived biofuels, uh, but also on renewable fuels of uh, non-biological origin, on stuff from uh, nuclear energy and on recycled carbon fuels. Um, the UK government has also said it will focus on ways to reduce the risk of tankering in the UK, and that's really a concern uh, for um, uh, the European Union and, and, and the UK itself. So um, tankering strategies are where aircraft that are heading to airports with more expensive refueling services uh, take on larger amounts than needed to save fuel costs. And to prevent that, the EU has also proposed that the amount of aviation fuel taken on by aircraft operators at um, EU airports must be at least 90% of their annual fuel requirement. And this should help um, reduce the risk of, of tankering. Um, in Europe, other countries have already taken steps to implement national SAF mandates. So Norway was the first to introduce a volumetric mandate last year, starting at 0.5%, and it's set to increase gradually uh, to 30% by 2030. Sweden also introduced a GHG emissions reduction target in July this year, uh, which aims at reducing emissions by 0.8% in the July-December 21 period, and then gradually increase um, the GHG savings to uh, 27% uh, by uh, 2030. Um, France will also introduce a 1% blending mandate from January 2022, um, and this is set to increase to 50% in 2050. Um, uh, this is not completely approved yet, but Germany has proposed a GMG um, emissions reduction mandate for power to liquid SAF, uh, which is uh, set to start at 0.5% in 2026. So in this case, the focus is on synthetic fuels rather than on stuff of uh, biogenic origin. Thank you, Julia, for the uh, detailed uh, information. A topic that still is on its early stages is the production of non-bio or synthetic fuels. Um, and the EU mandate includes actually a sub-quota of uh, synthetic fuel from 2030 onwards. 
Can you explain us a little bit the key differentiators between synthetic fuels and biofuels and how these synthetic fuels will be produced in the uh, midterm? Sure. Um, so the UN International Civil Aviation Organization, or ICAO, has approved eight different conversion processes for SAF production. The most commonly used so far is the HEFA pathway, which basically synthesizes kerosene from hydro-processed esters and fatty acids. Uh, the HEFA pathway uh, mainly employs waste and residues as feedstock. Um, crop feedstock could also be used, but the EU is trying to focus on wastes and avoid the use of feedstocks at high risk of indirect land use change. Another pathway that's already in use is co-processing. Um, at the moment, um, in, in Spain, Repsol and NBP have been producing small SAF volumes by adding sustainable feedstocks to their fossil feedstock feed in, in Spanish refineries. But according to um, ICAO regulations, the biocontent uh, of co-processed SAF cannot surpass a 5% share, whereas HEFA SAF can be blended up to 50% with conventional JET. Um, and uh, test flights for 100% HEFA SAF uh, are also underway. Um, the, the HEFA and co-processing technologies therefore use biofeedstocks. Um, well, there's other pathways approved uh, by, by the ICAO that can be used to meet the quota for synthetic um, SAF under the proposed mandate. Some of these pathways include uh, the Fisher Trops technology. So companies like uh, Fulcrum, Sassel and, and Shell have announced plans to use this pathway to produce SAF. Um, another pathway is uh, alcohol to jet, um, which sees the use of biomass from ethanol to produce biojet. Um, and this is being developed by several companies, including uh, Givo and, and Lanzatech. The use of hydrogen to power aircraft is also being studied, but still quite early stages. Um, and uh, But as I said earlier, all existing production is either HEFA or co-processed stuff. But several projects for plants using some of the newer technologies that I just mentioned have already been announced. Um, and uh, these sub-targets on synthetic fuels under the EU mandate are likely to promote even further investments on these new production pathways. Um, and But at the end of the day, all technologies will be needed to meet the EU targets. Um, but we can see that in the longer term, the emphasis is particularly on, on e-fuels rather than on SAF of, of biogenic origins. Thank you, uh, Julia. And now let's look at the uh, economics. Where is the current price of SAF? Uh, and as biofuels keep uh, inexorably taking space from, from the fossil fuels, uh, what it is or it will be the impact of the uh, biofuel component in the price and the pricing of the aviation fuel oil? So with, with SAF production limited so far in Europe and, and spot liquidity uh, pretty thin, SAF prices have been very high and they've hit a record 2,770 uh, US dollars per tonne. Uh, on an outright basis um, in uh, in uh, in ARA in the ARA market in and this was in early August so uh, just a few days ago we've seen record values uh, prices have risen sharply in the second quarter of, of 2021 this was on the back of record prices for feedstock um, news cooking oil that has been in tight supply due to restaurants closures in Europe due to the pandemic but also due to a closed arbitrage with Asia. 
Um, at Argus, we have been assessing SAF prices on an outright basis, but we've also published premiums to hydro-treated vegetable oil, or HVO class 2, which is also produced from uh, used cooking oil using the hydro-treatment process. Um, we've also published prices as a premium to the front-month ice gas oil for those counterparties that have an exposure to fossil fuels and uh, are looking for a liquid hedgeable marker. But looking ahead, as biofuels and renewable feedstocks outright values are detached from their fossil counterparties, then transparent SAF pricing will be needed to have a reliable index using contracts and also to calculate any penalties for non-compliance, uh, which according to the EU proposed mandate will have to be at least twice as high as the multiplication of the difference between the yearly average price of conventional aviation fuel and SAF per ton, and on the quantity of aviation fuels not complying with the minimum SAF share. So the SAF price will therefore need to be either indexed on its own, or in the shorter term, it could also be linked to a biofuel proxy to facilitate hedging. In this case, the proxy could be HVO, as it has a similar production process of HEFA-SAF, um, which, as I mentioned earlier, is expected to remain the predominant production pathway in the short term, at least. Okay, um, thank you very much, Julia, for sharing your knowledge. And thank you all for tuning in to this podcast. And if you're interested in following the latest news on prices about the jet fuel and SAF market, please log into the Argus website and feel free to request a sample of, of the biofuel or the jet fuel reports. And in the meantime, please stay safe and see you next time.